Hey guys, welcome to another episode here of The Scott Show. I got my longtime friend and musician pal for, heck, it seems like it's been longer than... Long time. I don't know. To me, it feels like it's been like 20 years, but it hasn't been 20 years. No, but that's pretty close. <laughs> we've yeah. done a lot. So uh, basically, we're going to start off, but this is Stephen Dale Vincent. He currently has an album out right now called What a Journey that was just released a couple weeks back. And we're going to be talking about What a Journey here coming up in the timeline of what we're going to be talking about. So basically, kind of what the interview structure is going to be is kind of what the title of your album is, What a Journey. We're going to be talking about that journey here today with Stephen Dale Vincent. So basically, Steve, kind of uh, let the folks know where you uh, first like was introduced to music, kind of what, I guess, got you into wanting to play. All right, well, pretty much just uh, started tapping on the drums when I was walking, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Uh, I don't know, went from there drums and then uh, started playing banjo probably around seven or eight years old, I guess. So I kind of started playing both of them at around the same time. Dang. But um, Little League became a little bit more important when I was seven. <laughs> right. So I kind of put the banjo down for a while, but came back to that when I was around probably 10 or 11 uh, and then never put it down since, you know. I guess. So, so it was drums and banjo, you know, through my teenage years and then didn't really pick the violin up till I was about 20. So. Gotcha. So to kind of give some context to the banjo, was that kind of more of your father's influence? Because I know that bluegrass is pretty yeah. prominent in your family. Right, yeah. Yeah, that'd be safe to say. Because he plays as well, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah he played guitar. But yeah, um, you go to these bluegrass festivals and you always have 15 guitar players. And <laughs> one, and no one banjo. banjo player is probably so. playing with everybody because nobody else plays. Right. <laughs> so I just didn't want to be another guitar player, really. Um I didn't pick up guitar till later. Gotcha. You know, but uh, so like in high school or middle school or anything, was you ever uh, was you writing songs then, or was you working on honing your craft as a musician or kind of? Um, yeah, through high school it was mainly again drums and and banjo. I started writing a little bit. I'd say that's probably where my writing started. Was you know um, ninth, tenth grade. I'd say. Gotcha. You know. Okay. Now, whenever you were, uh, like, say, w w when was your first, like, I guess, like, live performance? First time you ever played out <laughs> in front of anybody? Even if it was, like, a family event or something right. like that? or um, I had one family event that I did drums. I used to do, you know, the, the tracks behind me, and then I'd play drums yeah. along with the tracks. I've always done that. But um, out at Dave Surbeck's out in Patterson, I got on top of a flatbed trailer and <laughs> and, your stage. and that was probably the first one but really after that was Patterson Opry was really the first um, you know big stage that with lights and everything right. you know that uh, now was the Patterson Opry was it still at the old Patterson High School where yeah. it's like it's still at right okay right. yeah I wasn't for sure because I mean now I mean from growing up I knew where it was at but I didn't know that if it was ever at another location because I know sometimes things change you know uh, I don't know if it was I think it was originally there along the tracks at cox's um auction really i think maybe hmm. i don't know but hey. anyway, <laughs> somebody out there um, if you know let us know It'd be an interesting uh, fact for us here so did you ever uh, after uh, playing around on some drums and stuff like that did you uh, ever play any local area bands or was you kind of always geared towards like i guess what was the point that made you realize that I want to do music like more of a full-time thing, not as just like some hobby that I do on a Sunday afternoon or something like that? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question, really. I just I never could get away from it, really. Gotcha. I mean, when I would sit and play music or banjo, drums or either one, I mean, it would be for hours. It wouldn't be for half hour <laughs> now let me tell you something he says about practicing for hours i've heard it and i've experienced it so i, I know that uh he practices more than anybody that i know of that does any kind of practicing <laughs> well luckily i don't have to practice now well no yeah, yeah no. i was but, speaking more of the time whenever but, you learned uh where he's learning uh, right. piano but all of them all of them took a lot of time you know mm -hmm. but um uh, practice years are over now it's just fun <laughs> <laughs> so kind of tell us what uh after high school what did you well you went to the military yeah after high school yeah. didn't you yeah yeah 
And then what did you do like, like after where you came back? What was as far as music? How did that play into your life? And like what was the next like I guess milestone or event in the timeline that happened? Um, that was probably to move to Nashville. You know, I had to have money to move to Nashville, so uh, I was in the reserves at that time. I did some volunteer work up in uh, Peoria. To, that was when the first Gulf War was actually started. Back, you know, uh, early '90s is when it started, but things were coming back. Trucks were coming back, right. stuff like that. So I went to Peoria to help. I was a mechanic, so I fixed all the trucks that come in. Oh, cool! I didn't. Well, that was my way of getting money to get to Nashville. <laughs> oh, hey! You know, I had to have a way to get to. Got to have a plan. So, a couple months worth of work there would allow me to get to Nashville. So that's. When I had enough money, I said, I'm out of here. And just so. rolled to Nashville, man. <laughs> so what was it like? Had you ever been to Nashville prior to that? Yeah. You moved there without ever even going? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> like thousands of others, just, I'm going. I'm going to roll into town. And I just felt like I could roll in and get a job like everybody else, you know? Yeah. And man, that's just crazy. Started. It was very scary, I must say. <laughs> I've thought, like, but. years ago, I thought about moving down there. and But I was like, I'm going to go check it out. Because I... I Man, I couldn't even because that, that, that's a very uh, intimidating town. Yeah, it was. Um, to move to, it was. So, I mean, there's anybody that listens to any interviews with other country artists or, or any musical artists. There's even more than country music that comes out of Nashville. But man, I couldn't imagine just not ever, ever even visiting at one time and just moving there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really think about the some of the fear part of it. I guess. <laughs> right. I, mean, I was young. I mean, you're talking twenty, twenty-one, so. It was just I knew this is what I was going to do. But, you know, after a week looking for a job, you don't find a job. <laughs> right. And then the car breaks down. And then uh, there was a lot of a lot of things that were roadblocks. So how was you able to overcome some of them roadblocks? Just had to go. Back then you didn't have to fill out so many applications like you do now. Right. I, mean, I literally went to a, a truck terminal, I think it was, and walked in and just said, I need a job today. <laughs> yep. you know i'm out from out of town i need a job today and he said well go down to this other place you know that deals with aftermarket auto parts mm-hmm. he said they're always looking for people so i just walked in and said i want to see the manager right now <laughs> i mean Dang, i don't know man. how i pulled it off like that back then but um and luckily the dude the manager was from peoria illinois what yeah i walked in i said hey i'm from illinois so i need a job right now right that was on a friday i remember because i was like i'm about out of out mm-hmm. of time, out of money. I was on a Friday. And he said, "Come back Monday." Wow! So I worked there over two and a half years. You know, isn't that funny how kind of yeah. like life works? Is like sometimes when you're like your back is literally up against the wall, and it's like you almost feel like there's nowhere to go. Yeah. But then that's what pushes you. I mean. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's whenever you really find out what you're made of. You know. Well. And, so how how many years do you spend in Nashville? Uh, almost five, probably. In f- five probably, years. Yeah. So what would you say if you had to pick like some of the highlights and things? Because uh, I know you learned uh, you really picked up on the fiddle slash violin playing That's where there. The violin came up was um, was if I got to spend every week in Stuart Duncan's living room, you know, yeah. learn from him and. Now explain to the folks a little bit uh, who Stuart Duncan is a little bit. Well, he's just a um, highly sought after session musician in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, any of those award shows you'd turn on, he was always the one playing in the background. Right. You know, there for years. And um, Mark O'Connor, I went to his uh, violin camp when I was down there. Mm-hmm. He was a huge influence, another too. Another well-known. Um, uh, Aubrey Haney was another one in Nashville. Um, he played for Clint Black when I, was okay. when I was down there. He was an amazing player. And to get a job playing for another, like, a big artist. And at that time, Clint Black was as big as anybody. Yeah. And that's that's a tough tough gig tough gig to get. So whenever uh, you, s- you said Stuart Duncan, how did that come about? Was it just through connections or? I was at the Station Inn there in Nashville. Okay. At nightclub, and mm-hmm. uh, real small intimate place, and he he was on stage. As a matter of fact, him and Sam Bush both they come off stage, and I just uh, start talking to him. And say, <laughs> right. And I thought, well, why not ask him? You know, so. I said, do you give fiddle lessons? He said, well, yeah, I guess I can. <laughs> wow. Like nobody had really ever asked him before or something. Right. But, uh, well, a lot, a lot of times, I mean, I'm sure you were a little nervous or intimidated yeah. by him, you know? I mean. Well, you just figure they'll say no, I guess. Exactly, yeah. I mean, so, so, you, like they're so busy that 
you know, they just can't do that. Like they say, you never know until you ask, you know? Yeah, that was a question well asked there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to pick his brain, you know, one-on-one. It would have been, oh, I mean, not too many people get an opportunity like that. Right. And I was just so new at it, though, that I couldn't pick up everything he was throwing at me. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if it could have been years later. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he did get me off to a good start. I mean, between him and the other professionals in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, Got off to a good start with violin. Right. You know. Now, as far as uh, before you came back to Illinois from Nashville, is there anything else uh, from that time period that really stands out in your mind? That Cause Not really. Now, I, did you do any fiddle competitions down there, or was that afterwards? There, that was after. Afterwards? Okay. Yeah, I remember you saying, after. I was trying to think. I was like, so basically, like, in your time in Nashville is really where you really honed your craft, really, it sounds like. And you were you were still playing banjo throughout that right, whole time right, as was, well. Right. That that time there was more starting and learning on the violin mm-hmm. and then just, you know, catching up everything with... I'd kind of gotten out of drums. I wasn't really wanting to be a drummer then. Gotcha. I was more wanting to banjo and fiddle. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really play out for money or anything down there it was more just learning so- yeah soaking up things and um seeing where i needed to be because mm-hmm. i wasn't musically where i needed <laughs> right you know needed to be uh, watching those guys those you know when you watch professionals for two five years yep you see where you need to be and then i knew i could get back to illinois and then practice more and grow off there that. i could yeah. i couldn't practice enough there just time you work eight hours and oh yeah uh kids and um uh, where you're gonna pr- I knew I needed at least two, three hours a day mm-hmm. um, to catch up with them guys. Yeah, you ain't. I mean, let alone the eight hours working to drive to and from is always uh, adds into that time frame. So I mean, yeah, time definitely becomes a big issue there. But that's, that's pretty interesting because to be able to spend time to hone your craft. Uh, I mean, uh, some of the best advice I was ever given was always be preparing because you never know when you're going to get the call or to do something because if you're not prepared for something, I, I, I've played gigs unprepared before and it is it's just no fun. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like I always tell people in Nashville, like you said that you learned a lot from even just seeing people play down there. And uh, for folks that haven't been to Nashville to explain the level of talent that are of the people that live there, that play even just on the main street there, Broadway, there are all the tons of bars there the hundreds of thousands of musicians that played on there that you will never hear of are some like some of like the best yeah. in the world yeah, they really are. and it's it's mind-blowing in a way i mean you can go door to door to door to door and it's just fantastic musicianship yeah they really are and then so you came back to illinois now was this about the time frame that you started on your first solo album or did anything happen before in, uh, in the meantime? Kind of. I mean, would, that was 2003. Mm-hmm. So I would have started in 2000 on that CD. <laughs> right. We were just talking about that before we started this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hadn't been home five, six years probably. Okay. You know. Now, was you playing or are you, was you playing with anybody else at the time? or? Not really. Um, I started playing drums for, I uh, can't even remember the band now. Mm-hmm. It was I, I never Kurt knew. Hall and them. And, okay, uh, yeah. Kurt Hall actually got brought up in our last conversation. We were um, talking about uh, Notorious Nightcrawlers. That's who it was, but they had changed names. I can't remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, he needed That's dr- staying in a small town. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. the same guys in the band with different names. <laughs> he uh, he come beating on the door one night, just needed a drummer really bad. and So I thought it was going to be one of those one-night deals and end up being a year later <laughs> right <laughs> so but it was fun yeah but um so then you're uh about the time that i, I mean i always known who you were uh because our me and my dad figured out the last uh on the last episode we talked about you would you're my dad's second cousin I think so. yeah so you'd be my so. third so basically like our like your dad and my grandpa are first cousins i believe think so hope i got that right but anyway so so, i mean i've always known who steve was uh growing up and stuff but never really actually knew him uh first time i actually remember meeting you uh which i i'll uh i remember actually having a conversation with you which i'll bring it up after we talk about it it would be it revolves around your cd uh your first uh solo cd you put out uh called everything but bass why that title because i played everything but bass (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
every uh, instrument on there. So, uh, and where was that recorded? That was in the studio in St. Louis. Louis yeah. yeah, yeah, Smith Lake Productions in yeah. St. Louis. So. Okay, and now whenever you release that CD, I remember uh, seeing it. Uh, it was in the local newspaper we have around here. It's called the Green Prairie Press, and uh, it literally had like your phone number in there. It said, you know, if you want to buy a CD, call him. You know, so I I, I called you. And I remember you said, like, come by. It was a couple of days after I had called you and uh, to come by and pick up the CD. It was like six in the evening. You probably don't even remember this, do you? Not really. No. <laughs> I would have. See, when did you uh, release that? What year? 2003? Three, yeah. But... Oh, shoot. I had been a freshman in high school, maybe. And uh, so I remember going, I think you were selling them for 10 bucks mm-hmm. or 10 probably. or 15. Probably. And, uh, so we're knocking on the door and meeting you. I was like, man, I was like, this guy, he's freaking got a CD. He's living in freaking Whitehall. This is crazy. I mean, as a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, what that I've always played music growing up and always aspired to even let alone record something, you know. And so I got the CD from him, and I think that was probably the last time I really actually had a conversation with you until maybe till about seven years later in 2009 or so. Yeah, it might have been around then. So, hmm. but yeah, I, I had that CD, and uh, I take that back. I also, after you'd released that CD, it might have been a year or two later, you were playing, I believe it was Green County Days, which is an annual celebration we have here uh, in Green County. Uh, you were playing the Green County Days here in Whitehall. It was, you had a, a drum set, you had a snare drum, or no, you had a bass drum, a hi-hat, <laughs> yeah. I think a fiddle and a microphone, or a banjo and a microphone. I, one of the, it was a contraption of a lot of instruments yeah. on one person, and you were just kind of doing it all, and you played a whole set. Do you remember doing that? Yeah, I think I remember doing that. That was crazy. It's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I could imagine. I have a hard enough time playing guitar and singing and tapping my foot, let alone even trying to do anything else. Man, so after that uh, CD release, kind of what was uh, something that happened after? Like what what happened after that? Because I didn't really cross paths with you until again until around 2008 9 area so that's a good about six seven years was that what you had you started playing with rick by then yeah yeah rick Severs. right right i went from playing drums with that band to getting with rick uh rick Severs and um and wolf over in in cantsville wolf grissom and, yeah yeah wolf grissom and uh and we just played everywhere i mean for almost 20 years now um <laughs> you know i quit them after the the first this last year mm-hmm. and uh definitely one of the top three piece acts in the area i mean you guys and just just the catalog you guys had yeah. was it was something always you, you never saw the same same show twice i didn't feel like it was all it was all just i mean there were, it was some staples of songs like right. that, that you i mean and every band does that right. but yeah, your guys' catalog was. Well, he's got a ton of them. <laughs> he knows a lot of them. Rick, he, he he's he's got a computer for a brain. I think he was like abducted by aliens or something. Had it transplanted had or something. Been. I can't remember that many songs. <laughs> no. So then after that is uh, when I kind of ran into you. I was putting together. Uh, well, actually, I had a band put together to go on a USO tour to play in Honduras and Bogota, Colombia for their 4th of July celebration in 2009. And at the time, my drum player hadn't gotten his passport, so I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I remember I was at Paradise Club in mm. Whitehall. I do remember still that. Here. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I remember where we were sitting at, too, because you walked down the stairs, and mm-hmm. they had the little L-shaped bar, and you were sitting right there. And I was just talking to you just about kind of things that had gone on. We had never played music together. I don't even think you'd probably ever heard anything I'd ever done or anything. But you knew I, we knew each other. Right. And I just remember telling you about the, you know, asking you if you knew of any drummers. And you were like, I play drums. <laughs> and then so I was like, well, okay. So then we, I got your number. And we uh, then literally, I think that was what, two, and you had already had your passport. And so I think that was, that was about three weeks before we it, actually yeah. flew out of the United States. Yeah. And I think, how many practices did we have? <laughs> Not two? enough. Yeah. <laughs> two or three? And, yeah, uh, two or three. Yeah, so we uh, all hopped on it. It was me, you, uh, bass was John Coates, which is actually the guy that taught me how to play guitar. 
uh, along with his cousin Kenny. Shout out to Kenny out there, and uh, and Matt Kleinman, which he had never, we, you never, we never met him actually until we were on meeting at the airport. So here we are going to play a show, and <laughs> which we didn't know what to expect for one. Uh, we knew we'd be playing for there'd be some military people there though, so we didn't really know exactly what that would entail. And uh, so Matt Kleinman was on the uh, lead guitar for us. He was uh, one of my manager's other band's lead guitar players. So long story short, we get uh, we didn't really have any trouble flying down to Honduras. I'm trying to think if there's anything really. Uh-huh. No, we got in Honduras okay, but right. Well, at the time, I remember it like it was yesterday. Whenever we were in, we'd flown into, uh, we were in Miami, and then I, I remember on the news they were talking about uh, in Honduras, which is where we were going to Gusagalpa, Honduras. They had literally like that day or day before that we were flying in. Day before, yeah, had a military coup where the citizens, or the military, overthrew the government or something. I remember which it was. But they ousted the president. Basically. Yeah, he was hiding out he in Costa Rica, and so it was pretty. Uh, I, I I was kind of naive at the time. I didn't think I was like, it ain't no big deal, you know. I don't know what was kind of going through your mind. I didn't think it was a big deal until we got there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my whole mind changed. Yeah, uh, kind of explain to folks what happened where we got to the airport in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Let alone the landing was pretty wild. The landing and. And to find out, um, it's the second dangerous airport to land in. I, I believe that. I've seen it on TV. Yeah. Look her up on YouTube, uh, landing at Tegucigalpa, Honduras. It is pretty crazy. But no, you mean getting into the airport itself when we get off the, the airplane? Right. And then, uh, yeah, it's a, I don't know, a building about the size of a gymnasium, really. Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it was just literally elbow to elbow guards with machine guns on the back pistols down in both legs mm-hmm. and like wallpaper all the way around this yeah. uh this uh building and then we had a circle of guards around us with the same you know gear on yep and there was probably what eight of them around just us at least yeah just around uh, the band and the manager so then that's when my whole mind changed <laughs> yeah that, that's when I, mean, I got real that's when my stomach dropped and i was like okay and we were the we, we they walked us up to get our bags off the little, whatever you call that. Carousel? Carousel, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and uh, so I remember we got off that, and then we went to, then they walked us straight out into the house when they had the two van, or the van out there. Right. Do you remember the drive up the mountain into the, to the air base? <laughs> Missing the goats and the, mm-hmm. and uh they just they don't respect other people's driving there. No, and to uh, I remember the guy told us that he drove it was driving the van the whole time and it was a second gear. The sound, whole time. It sounded like RPMs were <laughs> four thousand. And that like they don't respect like the driving there like you they don't really respect the lines on the road <laughs> like we do uh, in the states. They just it's just kind of a free for all. Right, if you want to pass, you pass, and if somebody's coming, oh well. Yep, <laughs> they better get out of the way. <laughs> they got breaks. We got to, then we finally got to the base, and due to the coup, uh, we weren't allowed to go outside of the base until the day we left. So we were there for maybe three days, yeah, and because they had originally uh, the itinerary had plans for us to go outside of the base and do different right. things. Now, I don't remember like a whole bunch from the base, other than staying in that hooch and in the different bars. A hooch is like has like a living room in the center. And then there was maybe like six bedrooms off of it, Probably. and no bathroom. Remember, we had to yeah. walk to the. That's right. We did. They had to walk like down the street, and that's where they took a shower that's and right. went right. to the bathroom. And they're about three foot high off the <laughs> right. off the uh, ground, so that the monsoons that come in about one o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. can just the water just rolls underneath the the building. That was the most well. bizarre thing when I, I was first time I'd ever seen it. Like, because we were like in the jungle there. And to see the it pour down rain for like 10 minutes and then just stop and it's boom, sun shining like crazy and there's no water on the ground. It, it, it the, the heat, it blew my mind. Is there anything about the Honduras spot stop that really stands out to you? No, I don't know. It was just, it was fun. I mean, mm-hmm. other than the, <laughs> um, 
some yeah. of the danger part of it, I yeah. guess. I mean, it was beautiful country. I mean, especially where we were at. Oh I yeah, mean, that was what what got me was at nighttime. Do you remember uh, at night because uh, there was a big mountain off to kind of outside of where we were staying, and you there was houses up there, oh, and right. you see them yeah. kind of light up. It was almost like little cool. lights on the hill. It was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so we played there. Uh, we played one show, I think, in Honduras. It was at that Air Force bar, I think. We played more than that, I thought. Did we, or maybe we played two or three. I, 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 it all kind of just runs together. At least two or three, I thought. At yeah. least two. It, you, you, you're probably right. I, I, for some reason, I just remember setting up whenever they, they had, uh, at that Air Force bar. We, or no, we, maybe we played the same place multiple nights. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, was... And I remember we ran into somebody... Uh, well, yeah, it was all Air Force because, or no, they had different, there was different. Yeah, they had Air Force bar and they had a, <clears throat> um, Army. I think they had all of them, yeah. Yeah. An Army and a, what's the other one? Marines. Marines, yeah. yeah. They had a Marine and, well, they had a pilot bar. Remember, oh, two, yes. The pilots yeah. had their own, the pilots were the funnest. Yes, they were <laughs> a riot. They were the was funnest. that the one where we, we hung out with them most of the night? Yeah, that's where we ended up. <laughs> the last night, I think we were there. Yeah, of course. The last night before we had to fly out and then cruised over to Bogota, Colombia, which was another experience because it was more of a, uh, I'd put it more in the mind of a, just like a big U.S. city. Right. Yeah. Except for getting, a, do you remember what, whenever we got there, what they warned us about? I remember. About the powder that the, they could put on your skin that would knock you out and they'd stole your money. Somebody. <laughs> I think I do remember that. Uh, and we had our own security detail there, which I, yes, I did not bring this up. I talked about kind of about this little tour before one time on like one of the more first beginning episodes, but I saved it because I wanted to wait till you were here. So you could kind of tell the story because this is going to be good. Okay. Well, whenever we get to Bogota, we, uh, I think that same day was our sound check. And Sony was running sound there. And I remember now from going to, from where we were playing at in Honduras, were you kind of expecting the same kind of place to play at? Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but I figured we're playing at a embassy. It's U.S. embassy. Yeah. I thought we'd be playing like inside of like a room or something. Right, ballroom. Yeah, I didn't too. know they'd be setting up a honking stage out front yeah. and five, over 5,000 people being there. Yeah, I didn't either. That was when it got real whenever we were up there doing sound check. And I just remember like, holy crap this is wild and i remember matt cleanman he was like this is going to be the best time of our lives and he was uh we'll get i'll, I'll talk more about matt here actually i'll go ahead and just say it right now matt actually ended up passing away short uh, six months or so yeah. after our tour but we got the whole time we hung out with him and got to know him literally from that week was pretty cool and he was a super talented guy very heck of a singer heck of a guitar player and a great hangout he was i remember i'll go ahead and tell this story because i know that he'd want it to be told after we played at the fourth of july uh celebration in bogota columbia he there was a group of people that we were all kind of talking to and they ended up having like a party like somewhere out out in the city and he went to it remember it's uh-huh. left with the strangers. None of us, uh, we were all too scared to. And Matt's like, ah, oh, what's the worst that can happen? And he went and did it. And he was, he was, he was there and ready to go the next morning where uh-huh. we left. <laughs> and, uh, he was a, he was a great time. And so I, that, after that first day, whenever we did the, uh, sound check that we went to back to our hotels, which we were actually staying in a holiday Inn, like a uh, brand new one. Brand, uh, that floor was, uh, we might've been the only one staying the, there. That was, uh, yeah. We were the first ones in that room. I remember hearing in the morning, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> people like working on another floor or right, something yeah. somewhere. They were a floor above us. But that night, we I think it was just me and you decided to go out. or Yeah, we went out to a, a bar that was just right kind of across the street. I was whenever you got up and played fiddle. And we, we were all there. I we think, we yeah. all four were? Yeah. I'll say, I, I can't remember. Off the top of my head, it's just like, it, seemed, it was so long ago. Um but what kind of band was it? Were they like a jazz band, salsa band? Or like that Sky, maybe? Or? Yeah. Or Ska band. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Because like 15 people <laughs> in the band. <laughs> it's the biggest band I've ever seen in person. Yeah. And you got, I remember you, you got to talking to one of the guys in the band, I think, didn't you? I think the waitress got somehow tipped off that we were musicians from out of, 
out of town, out of country or whatever. Right. And then it got down to the band somehow. And, and then you had to go back to the hotel. I just went back and got the fiddle, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't take it with me. I mean, yeah. I, didn't pl- I wasn't planning on playing. Shoot. And then it, I, I got I caught a little video of it, and actually I'll throw it up at the very end of this uh, podcast. I'll throw it up on there so y'all can check out Steve rocking out in a whole other country. <laughs> and but that, that night was a trip. And then trying to figure out the money thing, like the I conversion, no we, 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 I had no clue what we were paying. I <laughs> 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 paying hundred dollars a beer or something. Yeah. Fifty dollars for a cheeseburger. Oh yeah. Well, I think it was. Was it after that? Was it that night? Or was it after we had played at the 4th of July that we went to McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my things was I thought I was going to go to a foreign country and hear some good foreign, like, I don't say good, but I mean di- different music. Yep. And the first night we go to that uh, bar on the corner and yes. they're playing Johnny Cash. Yeah. We're sitting, <laughs> me and Steve, I remember well, I we play every weekend. We were like a $10 pitcher of beer and we're <laughs> sitting there and thinking that it's going to be something. And yeah, it was... Uh, I want to say it might have been Ring of Fire Folsom, really? or Folsom Prison Blues. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. I'm thinking, I hear this every weekend. Yep. I, w- I wanted to go to <laughs> Columbia to hear their music. <laughs> I know, They're man. playing our music. Blew my mind. I, I could not believe it. Can't get away from it. And then, so then following that, we went to, uh, we went to go play the show uh, at the embassy. What was... Kind of from your side, what was your experience of getting up there on that stage and looking out? I mean, it was a sea of people. It was, yeah. Uh, I felt right at home. Mm -hmm. I felt like I'd finally... I was like, this is where I belong, really. Right. I mean, I didn't really have a lot of nervousness um, in me. Of course, drumming, you're back there and you just kind (laughs) of get in your own world, I think. You know, I'm more comfortable playing drums probably than than anything. But I felt right at home. I felt like... You also played fiddle on that. Did you remember? Do you remember yeah, it? I did. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, that now. You played the bass drum and a hi-hat and a fiddle. Speaking of what we were talking about earlier, I believe we did a cover of Simple Man and Matt sang it. I believe. I believe. I may. I could be easily wrong, but there ain't nobody here to prove me wrong. So it's like, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was on a song, and I remember people thinking that was pretty cool. I, I remember the like. I remember it vividly in my mind. Because the first song we opened up with was a cover of Hootie and the Blowfish, Only Want to Be With You. Mm-hmm. And I remember like turning around to you and, and looking at you where you were, you clicked off the four clicks. I remember hitting that first open E and I was just like, I remember looking down at my moccasins with like the light blue lights just shining down and thinking, this is insane. Like, it, it flew by so fast. Oh, man. The biggest thing I remember, the, another thing that sticks out in my mind from that night was looking out and seeing a guy, he had a University of Texas hat on. For some reason, I, that, it, I could still see it like it was yesterday. And so we played the show. The show was fantastic. We got to meet the ambassador beforehand back in our dressing uh-huh. room. And we, I don't Fanny really, Lou, we got to meet Fanny Lou. You know? Yes, Fanny Lou. Yeah, Fanny Lou was. She's about the equivalent to Britney Spears. Yeah, uh, in fact, I mean, I've been watching some of her videos. Yeah, uh, she's still lately. going. She, just, she is huge in South America. Yeah. I mean, she was the. We played right before her. She was the main headlining act, and she blew the roof off the place. She had a great band. I remember. Yeah. They like they had a drummer. I well, one thing I thought was cool. They had like a drummer. I always find it cool when they have like a drummer and uh, like another percu- percussion oh, right. person. Played some bongos and chimes and different things. It was pretty cool. And I'm trying to remember anything else from that from like that time. I think it was after that that we came back and well, I we need to go back a little bit because day before I remember we went to we had our little host I guess, and she took right. us up Mount Montserrat, which is almost right. ten thousand nine thousand feet above sea level. That was cool. Took us out to a couple of local restaurants. There one local restaurant, and that was never me. We had a conversation about uh, finding some food. <laughs> you guys ended up finding a pizza place later on, I think. Or you didn't? Maybe I it was John. in Columbia, I'm right? <laughs> but we did find a McDonald's. Remember yeah, that night? We did find a McDonald's. We went to McDonald's, and we we're trying to figure out how to order. We're behind, maybe I just think it was like two girls and a guy, big tall guy. And you know where I'm going with this? And they, uh, so the, the <laughs> this is late at night too. This yes. is like two o'clock probably. Yeah, in the morning. the morning. And yeah. we, uh, so these folks help us order, 
and, and they invite us to set with them. They spit, spoke English and Spanish. So we did. And I'll, you told it from your perspective, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just sitting there eating my sandwich. <laughs> and you're talking. And this guy just comes over and I think he flips from the from underneath. Didn't he flip well, up your tray? Or? No, he uh, he was talking to the girl that was sitting to my right. And I stood up and I I, I, I thought oh, he was right. I thought he was talking to me like trying to say hi or something. So I just stood up and went to shake his hand like this. And I had my soda in my other hand, a thirty-two ounce That's soda. Right. And that, then he like just flipped it up and it just like went all down my body. It was bad. And that's right. And then I did not do anything. I was never. You don't do anything like that. You just got to accept it. And I sat back down, and we continued the night on. That's when we noticed. I think. And it was one of the nights we were out, and we noticed that we had a security detail following us. I think that was that night, because right, they'd gotten a little closer after that had happened. Mm-hmm. I noticed. <laughs> so it, that was kind of nice to know. Uh, <laughs> right. After uh, that happened, I remember I was like, "Oh my gosh, what this guy didn't try to like beat me up or something." Uh, well, then know? that just brings attention to us. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. Now we're going to get more people mm-hmm. um, that don't like Americans <laughs> <laughs> around us. You know? Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, that was about the only time I got that vibe though was from that one mm-hmm. little encounter. Everybody else was pretty cool to oh, us, yeah. and. So we came back and we were. It was actually uh, yeah. We played. We played the Fourth of July celebration there, but it was actually on July third. And we we're flying back the next day, the morning of the fourth. And me and Steve were pumped up. We're gonna go back and hang out in our hometown and celebrate this big tour we went nice on. Nice hotel one night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we get to Miami, Florida, after our flight had been delayed an hour. We get to Miami and remember our flight was delayed. And we had to. We sat there on the floor of a of the hotel or of the hotel no, of the airport. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was a watched a movie of some sorts on the floor of a Miami airport, July fifth. Yeah. Waiting July fifth and a beautiful bed and <laughs> July fifth. Yeah, it was hard something. concrete floor. And then we, so we didn't get to celebrate. Needless to say, so we came back, and then, then from that point, you're you're still playing with. Well, that that time it was kind of a one and done thing. It was just like you were coming on to play the tour with me, and All then. Right. I think, uh, did you, before, I remember Midwest Avenue, whenever I asked you, do, do you remember where you were at when I asked you if you wanted to start a band together? Hmm. You know, the, uh, know. it's not even a place anymore. It used to be like an auto service place. You know where Casey's is at the end of town? The little place is like across the street from it, mm-hmm. there on the corner. I'd flagged you down to <laughs> come over there. And you came over and I talked to you about, you know, starting a band, I had kind of, I think I'd already had my dad on drums and Beaver Hopper on bass. And, you, and you're like, yeah, like, yeah son, I'll, I'll think about it. And, this, <laughs> and so I was like, all right. So, and long story short, that started up and had Megan and Nikki. Well, Nikki was first and Megan and uh, on vocals. And, it was, mm-hmm. and, and that was about the time that you started learning how to play keyboard. Right. And... That was you literally started like right around yeah. that time. Yeah, because I just I don't know felt like I needed to branch out a little bit more. I, something I always wanted to learn. Right. But um, for songs that just didn't call for a banjo or a fiddle or you know I always wanted to have something else. I guess. Right. And keyboarding play anything with that. Yeah. You know so. It's, it's on almost every. Um, so then after the keyboard. I think he like as I mentioned earlier, practicing for hours. He literally was keyboard all the time, <laughs> and so with the keyboard and all that. Say with Midwest Avenue within that time period, uh, what are some moments that stand out to you uh, from the time that we did the whole Midwest Avenue thing, which is almost almost four years, different members and stuff, but we were pretty much the same. I mean, you were. It was the same group, but we had, you know, trade in different bass players here and there, and the girl singers kind of went away. But what are yeah. some, like, shows or some times that stand out to you from that time period? Man. <laughs> I remember that rainy night. <laughs> rainy night. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, we had went to Springfield to play, and something happened there. Remember we was going to play the cornfield, or the... Oh, concert in the cornfield. Concert in the cornfield. Yes. It was just torrential downpour. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
We had gotten set up on a stage and everything. That was that. A, we tried to play two gigs that night, and that mm-hmm. was just a nightmare. That's that's always a no go. We've done it. <laughs> yeah, every time I mean, you said that, it made me think of a time we played. Grafton. Yeah, we did like a Friday night show, and yeah, we played Friday night in Jacksonville. Then Saturday night, me and you did like an acoustic thing, like seven to. 10 in Springfield then we drove to Jacksonville to play a Relay for Life event with the full band from like midnight to 2 a.m. then that Sunday we'd be right back at in Grafton at 11 a.m. to play or 10 a.m. or something that was a probably one usually prior one yeah well it's, it felt it, it felt it felt early <laughs> I know yeah, that it's usually noon in Grafton but, but yeah that, that, I remember that downpour Hey, well, we won the Texaco Country Showdown oh, that's uh, right. That's uh, right. on your birthday. That's right. That was in yep. Pittsfield. Yep. Yeah, I just went by that building today. I always think of that. Yeah. When I drive by that building. That was a heck of a time. Is there any, any other things that stick out to you? <laughs> Man, there's been so many gigs. I just I don't... <laughs> hundreds. Wow. Um, I can't right now. We were talking about. I mean, my dad was talking about the time coming back from Champagne and the snow. <laughs> and then you then you like you, you had a flat tire like literally like right outside of town uh or was that a different time no, that was a different time right that was a different time it was going to iowa then yep <clears throat> but no the snow was that was fun um <laughs> just a big you know chrysler van but we had so much weight in it with with um all the equipment from his drums to my stuff <laughs> and uh three of us in there and closer we get to whitehall on that interstate the deeper it's getting <laughs> but i felt like i had enough if i could keep my speed right i just felt like we could make it through this you know because i did not want to be stuck yep um outside of manchester and everybody else was pulling off or they couldn't make it and they were stuck and i was just like get out <laughs> i had it about to the floor right keeping up my speed just, i mean snow is just you know how it flies over oh, the yeah. front of the um, well, especially vehicle. the way the van is shaped too. It's, it's the perfect shape to be plowing through. Oh, so, yeah. Because it, it just it'll just slide up and over. <laughs> and we had to wait, and it was going, you mm-hmm. know. And and everybody stayed. <laughs> and I got that thing home. Heck I mean, yeah! That's what that you was... do whenever you're traveling. You you, you just got to keep moving forward. Right. That's the main thing. Yeah. So and after Midwest Avenue, you uh, didn't you? You let's see, was that? Yeah, you were played with Devin Clements for a while after that, didn't you? Yeah, well, Gracia Harrison. Right. Yeah. So I see that that all was kind of at the same time. Well, yeah, I played with her for like a year or two. <laughs> okay, so that was afterwards. I couldn't remember. played with remember. her for a year or two and then went with Devin right. for another couple of years or so. So, Yeah, we both played in Gracia's band. I, I mean, you played in the full extension for Gracia Harrison. She was on The Voice Season 3, super talented artist. Um, I, I, I played for with you guys for a while there in the beginning ish so the main show that stands out to me was the scotty mccreary show yeah. that was just a trip wasn't it that was fun that was fun be able to play banjo in front of that many people you know mm-hmm. live um that kind of sound you know oh yeah and playing that song i think it was called banjo matter of fact yeah was, i don't know or, was it was it yeah i think it was called banjo yeah the rascal flats tune I don't know if it was that one or not, but or Giddy on up, Giddy on out. Is that it? I can't remember now. Top it may have been a banjo. I don't know. It's fast. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I liked about it. But it was that 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 crowd was amazing. I remember I, I was I was just blown away by that, and just uh, I don't know something about that. When you get so many people together, that energy is energy is great. Yeah, nothing really comes close to comparing. Like that you can. That's this nothing tangible. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I always like the fairs anyway. I like the the sound of the rides and the smell of the corn dogs. Oh, yeah. The, you know. Speaking of, I remember at that fair, did you try the, I know I did, it was like a donut hamburger instead of a hamburger bun. It was a glazed donut. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's like the most genius idea. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it probably took like three years off of my life, but it was it was good. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'd only try it once a year. I wouldn't you yeah. know, <laughs> get too crazy with it. <clears throat> So after that, you played with Devin Clemens' band, and uh, then after that, you were still continuing on playing uh, with both of you guys. I mean, you and right. Rick and yeah, 
pretty much just two bands at that point. And then, so when did, at, at what point was you like, I want to do another solo CD. I, I want. I, I did. Did you feel like you had like some unfinished business or? Well, I think I'd finally had enough songs written written up. Mm-hmm. You know, not only for one CD, but I knew I had enough for two if I really needed it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was just really getting a whole catalog of songs. I mean, the songs over the last mm, five six years have just really come on. I mean, I've. But that's kind of where I wanted to change, and start writing more anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've played so much music that. Uh, music's still fine, but I want to <laughs> try other challenges. You of know? course, yeah. Um, and that's just what rounds out a musician, I think. Um, but um, so, yeah. So then, whenever you decided to go on uh, to do this next record, because uh, well, I didn't point out earlier that your first record, your uh, first solo record, was uh, every everything but bass was a Christian record, right? And so what kind of kept, I know, I know you've written some other secular songs here and there, but what is it that kind of made you jump right back to, or to stay on that same track and, and go with the Christian genre? Uh, well, that's just, that's just what I want to do. That's what I'm called to do. I'm, I gotcha. I know that, you know, um, the words that I get are, are from him. I mean, they're not yeah. for me. I mean, I, I can't come up with this, this kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> right. I agree. Man. Um, so, but like you said, I do enjoy. He's he's given me the ability to write anything, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can write Christian, I can write country, and um, I could I could write rap if I really wanted mm-hmm. to. I mean, I just <laughs> I think you did. I remember a song. That you, I I think you were working on one. This was a years ago. I remember vaguely you working on. One. I remember going on your basement, like, hey, check this out. <laughs> I'm like, it was like left field for what from what I was expecting from yeah. Steve, but it, it was it was cool. So then you okay so. It, w- was this like so? What was the process after you decided? You know, hey, I'm gonna. I, I really have. I have enough songs for this project, and I want to go forward with it. It's like, what was the next things that happened after that? Well, I knew I did. I knew I didn't have the recording studio. Was mm-hmm. was my biggest holdup. And last summer, it just kind of hit me to start investing in that kind of you know equipment and and really just do it on my own instead of trying to find a studio. Yeah. <laughs> because as you know, that is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was finding the software and, and yep. I mean, last December I just <laughs> picked some software, ordered it and, uh, and by Easter had a CD. So I couldn't believe it. He told me, he's like, I'm Bill Moan studio. I'm like, I mean, I knew if Steve puts his mind to something, he's going to do it. But I'm like, that's a crazy venture to go on because in the little I've dabbled in it, in recording yourself, it is it's a job in itself. It's just like learning a whole nother yeah. language in a sense. So how was that process of really just, just setting yourself down to be like, all right, you're going to do this. Well, it was intimidating. I mean, okay. luckily we had YouTube cause I mean, <laughs> it took me three days to even get sound through the computer. I mean, I, oh, you know what I mean? To even get a, a signal and, uh, everything just took, it took days. It seemed like, mm-hmm. to, um, to work out but i just thought man you know if i could get this learned um it's like learn another instrument <clears throat> yep and that's how i had to really look at it is um this is something i'm going to be doing for the all rest of my life you know yeah. so i need to learn it because mm-hmm. i've done everything around the recording part you know i mean <laughs> yeah. playing all the instruments singing doing everything but i just um didn't know how to record so yep. i thought why not and with last winter being perfect winter to record yeah i mean a lot of bad weather um and every winter, you know, I just think, man, I could make a CD almost every winter if I wanted to, because weather gets bad. You can, you know, I, right? Um, nothing else to do, you know. So, so I guess, uh, well, for the for that record too, uh, you played all the instruments on there, but something was different this time. You did play bass. I did on play it. bass. On it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how what made you come up with the title of "What a Journey" for it? Because well, sometimes people use like the title, like a song as a title but you decided to go with just a title for the whole project right well it's just summing up my life i guess at that at this point you know it's just been a long ways ago and you know (laughs) been like say doing this since i was really walking i mean i got that picture on the back of that cd is i I can't be but five or so probably on there i had drums and beating on drum set and a guitar over my shoulder you know at five (laughs) so i just really don't remember not doing an instrument i mean you know it's just been that long to where um, I always remember just hitting on drums or 
yeah or, or something you know it's in your blood for sure man i tell you i was really uh, if, you, if you had to pick a favorite song off that album what's your favorite one yeah that's always a rough one on your way to the cross is really mm-hmm. um, and that was cool too what you did with the uh i remember you running the or speaking of the idea before you actually did it on actually if you listen to the track on your way to the cross there's actually a true hammer and nail going oh, right. on like a sound in the background and that's something that was actually done you you did that right. it wasn't like a, a drop-in sound effect. sound effect right yeah it's definitely a genuine effect mm-hmm. i thought that was cool it's actually done off my uncle's anvil he was a blacksmith here in Whitehall. really um, yeah huh i learned something new every day <laughs> Was well, there anything else you want to add? I'll, I'll throw in your website, which is uh, www.stevendalevincent.com. You got a new album out called What a Journey, and it is a fantastic record. And you can check them out on Facebook as well. And uh, I'd say my favorite song still stands up to be in Hand in Hand. Oh, right. <laughs> right. But right. yeah, you can tell folks anything you want uh, to tell No, them. just playing at churches now. So, uh, you know, give me a call. Uh, get in contact with me somehow and uh, do about an hour long uh, set so okay yeah and if you guys want to ch- if anybody's watching this and wants to reach out to steve that uh wants to talk to him about uh booking him for any events or anything at any churches or any uh, upcoming christian events that you guys have uh feel free to shoot him a message on facebook or what's your email address is this Stephen dale vincent at, uh, at hotmail.com yep steven and I'll, I'll also put that in the show notes as well so you guys don't if you guys are listening to this or watching this you don't have to rewind it or anything it'll be right in the uh, show note descriptions right below as well as his website and uh, i'll put the one the couple of the links to uh, apple music and spotify so you guys can check out his new record as well and you're also selling the physical copy copies of the cd right right which you can order on your website right yep right. all right man well i appreciate you coming on the show yeah, man no problem. Thank it's you. been a great time my brother from another mother. This is Stephen Dale Vincent. Be sure you check him out. Thank you guys for tuning in.